God bless each of you here this morning. And those of you who are online, we thank you for your presence. God thanks you for your presence. Um, I've said over and over again to myself throughout the pandemic that God had it right again. We need each other. And so it is great to see each of you here this morning uh, and those who are online ready to worship our God. Let's go to God in prayer, please. Dear Heavenly Father, we praise your holy divine name and thank you so very much for blessing us, for keeping us and sustaining us, for giving us strength, and for granting to us an opportunity to meet again, to worship you. Lord God, please bless us as we worship you to clear our minds of worldly thought, that we might focus only on your word and on Jesus, your great son our Lord and King and Savior, suffered and died so willingly on that cruel cross of Calvary. Oh God, we're thankful to you for the power of your name. And it is in the name of Jesus that we do pray these things, to be thy will and thank thee. Amen. Please turn to 1 Kings chapter 9. A generation comes and a generation goes. What a father does today will truly and has affected the next two generations. We might even say in generations to come. What about David? What about David? God-fearing man, right? David is a youth, right? We remember him. We think about David as a, as a youth, a valiant man, a shepherd uh, who followed God. In 1 Kings 9, beginning at verse 4, uh, the Bible said, And as for you, if you will walk before me as your father David walked, in integrity of heart, in uprightness, doing according to all that I have commanded you all, and will keep my statutes and my ordinances, then I will establish the throne of your kingdom over Israel forever, just as I promised to your father David, saying, You shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. Those are some brave, bold, powerful words about David. Be like David. Be like David. First Kings chapter 14. God encouraged Solomon to do very, to do that very thing, to be like, to be like David. See, David's heart, the whole heart was for God. We might say, well, we should be like David. Now, interestingly enough, we have to remember that it's important to be able to separate which part of David to be like. There are some parts of David that we are not supposed to be like. Verse 7 of 1 Kings chapter 14, the Bible says, Go say to Jeroboam, thus says the Lord God of Israel, because I exalted you from among the people and made you a leader over my people, Israel, and tore the kingdom away from the house of David and gave it to you. Yet you have not been like my servant David, who kept my commandments and who followed me with all his heart to do only that which was right in my sight. Chapter 15, Jeroboam was reprimanded for not being like David. Chapter 15 and verse 5. Because David did what was right in the sight of the Lord and had not turned aside from anything that he had commanded him, all the days of his life, except in the case of Uriah the Hittite. 
Bathsheba. We know about that sin. So David, we would think of a man of, of great faith, a man who killed Goliath with a stone, a man who uh, killed a lion and a bear when approached and attacked. David would be a man who authored by inspiration uh, many psalms. Uh, David would be a man who focused and encouraged Israel to follow God and keep the commandment of God. David would be a man who desired to build a house for the Lord. David would be a man that is known to us as a man of the God's own heart. David would be a man who was an example for kings to follow. David would be a man who sinned as well. So we look at all of that which David did. But we have to remember that David did something that he wasn't supposed to do. Because of God's grace and mercy, God didn't mention it. But when you follow the life of David, David had many wives. First Kings, please, chapter 3. The next generation, Solomon. God fearing in his youth. A man who had a desire to truly do what was right. We'll begin at verse 6. Then Solomon said, Thou hast shown great loving kindness to thy servant David my father, according as he walked before thee in truth and righteousness and uprightness of heart toward thee. And thou hast reserved for him this great loving kindness that thou hast given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. And now... O Lord, my God, thou hast made thy servant king in his place of my father David. Yet I am but a little child. I do not know how to go out or to come in. And thy servant is in the mid- thy midst of the people which thou hast chosen, a great people who cannot be numbered or counted for multitude. So give thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people, to discern between good and evil, for who is able to judge this great people of thine? You start reading these passages. You start with David and you go, oh, look at God's people. And you get to Solomon in his younger years and you say, look at God's leaders. God blessed him. Verse 10. And it was pleasing in the sight of the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. And God said to him, because you have asked this thing and have not asked for yourself long life, nor have asked riches for yourself, nor have you asked for the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself discernment to understand justice. Behold, I have done according to your words. Behold, I have given you a wise and discerning heart so that there has been no one like you before you, nor shall one like you arise after you. And I have also given you what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that there will not be any among the kings like you all your days. And if you walk in my ways, keeping my statutes, my commandments as your father David walked, then I will prolong your days. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 17. Solomon did serve God. But Solomon forgot to read 
you know, when God says to do something, you know, Paul says, follow me as I follow the Lord. There's, there's that, that precursor, there's that idea, that understanding that if, if there are ways of, of the apostle Paul or, or Peter or, or any of the apostles or servants of the Old Testament that they ever went contrary to the will of God, you don't follow that. Follow me as I follow the Lord. We would say that to, to our children. We would say, follow me as I follow the Lord. And where you find that I've made mistakes or error, don't follow that. Don't be like me in that way. I don't know that we always have that conversation with our children. David had many wives. You ever heard, well, if it was good enough for my daddy, it's good enough for me. I don't think so, brother. That's, that's not true. That's not a good thought always. David had a lot of wives. Solomon took it to a whole nother level, didn't he? But look, when you go back and you look at the Bible and you say, okay, 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 should I marry one wife or should I have multiple wives? And I know Solomon and his wisdom had multiple wives for this, this reason of, of allies and things that I saw. But what did God say would be the question we'd have to ask ourselves. And back in Deuteronomy chapter 17, beginning at verse 15, here's what the Lord said to the king. He said, you shall surely set a king over you whom the Lord your God chooses. One from among your countrymen, you shall set as king over yourselves. You may not put a foreigner over yourselves who is not your countrymen. Moreover, you shall, he shall not multiply horses for himself, nor shall he cause the people to return to Egypt to multiply horses, since the Lord has said to you, you shall never return that way. Neither shall he multiply wives for himself, Lest his heart turn away, nor shall he greatly increase silver and gold for himself. Solomon missed that reading. Maybe, maybe, you you know how, let's turn to 1 Kings chapter chapter 11. My wife and I have been talking a lot about pride. And I'm looking forward to teaching on that and talking about that for uh, soon. But, you know, pride is one of those things that, you know, when when you have pride in your heart, you don't want to really teach on all the subjects or words of the scriptures on pride. The ones that condemn you, you don't want to talk about. But you know, that's not how the Bible's written. The Bible's written so that you have to talk about everything. And fathers have a responsibility to talk to their children about everything. Mothers have a responsibility to teach their children all of what thus saith the Lord. But I can imagine that David having many wives might not have shared that scripture with his son. Now, now, it doesn't excuse uh, the fact that Solomon had not read this or obeyed it, but the fact of the matter is, it's in the Word of God. And God didn't just say, don't have many wives or do not multiply wives for yourself. He told the reason why not to do such a sin. First Kings chapter 11, he said, they're going to turn your heart away. Beginning in verse 1. King Solomon loved many foreign women along with the daughter of Pharaoh, Moabite, Ammonite, Edomite, Sidonian, Hittite women. From the nations concerning which the Lord had said to the sons of Israel, you shall not associate with them, neither shall they associate with you, for they will surely turn your heart away after their gods. Solomon held fast to these in love. God doesn't just tell you not to. He tells you why not to. 
someone asked the question one day, well, why are so many members of the church falling away? Because they're marrying into families that are not members of the body of Christ. That's one of the reasons. There are many reasons. But that is definitely one of the reasons. I know we don't like to talk about it. Y'all looking at me strange right now, but it's true. It's true. And we know it's true, right? We have to be willing to teach our children the first thing you do is evangelize. Evangelize. Teach that individual what thus saith the Lord so that later on they don't pull your heart away from God. Solomon had all the wisdom in the world, but all of his wisdom was not strong enough to keep him away from following idolatry. Solomon had many, many wives. I know you say, well, sometimes, preacher, I know there's always a sometimes. Solomon held fast to these in love instead of holding fast to God in love. Instead of holding fast to what thus saith the Lord. Verse 3, the Bible goes on to say, And he had 700 wives, princes, and 300 concubines, and his wives turned his heart away. For it came about when Solomon was old, his wives turned his heart away after other gods. And his heart was not wholly devoted to the Lord his God as the heart of David his father had been. For Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and after Milcom, the detestable idol of the Ammonites. And Solomon did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and did not follow the Lord fully as David his father had done. Solomon would have had a different story written about him had he not married all the foreign wives. Because they are the ones that turn his heart away from God. We read it. We've seen it. We see it today. We are witnesses to the truth of the Word of God. Hearts that are not focused on God are easy to influence Members of the church away from the Lord. Verse 8. The Bible says, Thus also he did for all his foreign wives who burned incense and sacrificed to their gods. You know, it's kind of like, um, you know, we'll, so we pick and choose which gods are, are, are worse than others. Right? We pick and choose. We go, well, you know, you, you, you can marry... You, you can marry someone from a denomination as long as they believe in Jesus in some, you know, in some form, right? Whatever Jesus they are believing in. As long as they believe in Jesus, that, that's alright. But if they believe in Buddha or they believe in, 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 in maybe, you know, Islam or something like that, you can't marry those people. Cause then they'll, they'll draw you away. <laughs> what gave us that right? What does the Lord say? So, so the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 33, do not be deceived, my beloved brethren, but bad company does what? It corrupts good morals, right? You, you marry outside the body of Christ and, and, and here you marry someone that, that doesn't go to, that doesn't come to worship, doesn't, doesn't honor God in that way and has God in their own way, right? That's what happens. They, you know, and then uh, what's, what do you think is going to happen over time? You, you're going to start slipping, right? From the peer pressure sometimes of being at home or going and doing things over the weekend or whatever it may be. 
Sometimes we close our eyes to what we know to be true. And then we become offended when someone tells us the truth. We can't do anything but speak the truth, can we? We must declare what thus saith the Lord. Bad company corrupts good morals. Bad company will corrupt your name. Bad company is what caused Solomon to go way out away from God. Far, far away. And Solomon had the divine wisdom of God put within him, and he still walked away from God. And we don't have that kind of wisdom. So please never think that uh, we're too strong to fall away from the living God. Satan's after all of us, and he'll take us any way that he can get us. Solomon was very busy, too. He's kind of too busy. He's very busy. Verse 23 of chapter 10. Chapter 10, uh, 1 Kings uh, chapter 10 and verse 23. So King Solomon became greater than all the kings of the earth in riches and in wisdom. And all the earth was seeking the presence of Solomon to hear his wisdom, which God had put in his heart. And they brought every man his gift, articles of silver and gold, garments, weapons, spices, horses, and mules, such so much year by year. Now Solomon gathered chariots and horsemen, and he had 1,400 chariots and 12,000 horsemen. He stationed them in the chariot cities and with the king in Jerusalem. And then, you know, you sit back and go, well, you know, if God hadn't given him all that, maybe he wouldn't have fallen away. Let me explain something to you, brother, and I know you already know. God will never give you more than you can handle. God not only gave Solomon great riches and wealth, God gave Solomon the wisdom to know how to handle that. God gave him the wisdom to know how to do the right thing. It was Solomon's choice to marry all of these women that caused him the troubles in his life. His focus was lost, misdirected for just a moment. And you can read the book of Ecclesiastes and tell you all about it. All the stuff I tried to do. And then I realized one very thing that I already knew. The end, the conclusion of all things is fear God and keep his commandments. For this applies to every person. For God will bring every act to judgment. Every act to judgment. Well, Solomon had a son. But you know, before the son uh, you know, realizes and understands a lot of these things, you know, he, he's born and, and he lives. And, and Solomon's life is now a life of conflict. See, Solomon walks away from God. So now, now this boy gets to taste two sides. He gets to taste a little bit of this evil, a whole lot of evil. He gets to taste uh, uh, a little bit of righteousness, the earlier days, if you will, of Solomon's life. Maybe he obviously wasn't there at that time. Or maybe he was. It doesn't matter. The point is, he got both sides. Verse 9 of 1 Kings chapter 11. Now the Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart was turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who he had appeared, who appeared to him twice. And had commanded him concerning this thing, that he should not go after other gods, but he did not observe what the Lord had commanded. So the Lord said to Solomon, because you have done this and you have not kept my com- my covenant and my statutes, which I have commanded you, I will surely tear the kingdom from you and will give it to your servant. And that's exactly 
what happened. So now the remaining days of Solomon's life, as he's, he's fighting with his wisdom and trying to hold on to his kingdom, is conflict. Rehoboam. Rehoboam sees this conflict. But one of the problems is Rehoboam grew up with this limited fear of God. I'll show you that in just a moment. A limited fear of God. Solomon's words and wisdom were not strong enough to hold his son faithful to God. Solomon wrote vanity of vanities, all his vanities, but that wasn't enough. You see, someone said a long time ago, um, I can't hear what you're saying because of your actions. Right? Actions speak louder than words, someone says. So the problem is, if you don't combine both, where you have the good actions and good works with the Lord, as well as the words, the teachings of God, and educate your children, they're going to have conflict too. Conflict. Rehoboam tasted his father's power and fame and wealth, idolatry, and he loved it. He loved it. He became accustomed to it. He forsook God. And you know, the, the, the very thing he does as a king is he goes contrary to the wisdom of his father. Contrary. See, the first thing Rehoboam was supposed to do in 1 Kings chapter 12 was to go to God in prayer. But see, his father hadn't been doing that for some time. Go to God in prayer for it is from God that we'll gain the wisdom and the knowledge to know the right things to do. That's not what he did. That's not what he does. Let's go to verse 1 of chapter 12. Rehoboam. Then Rehoboam went to Shechem. For all Israel had come to Shechem to make him king. Now it came about when Jeroboam the son of Nebat heard of it. That he was living in Egypt. For he was yet in Egypt. Where he had fled from the presence of King Solomon. Then they sent and called him. And Jeroboam and all the assembly of Israel came and spoke to Rehoboam saying... Your father made our yoke hard. Now therefore, lighten the hard service of your father and his heavy yoke which he put on us, and we will serve you. Then he said to them, Depart for three days, then return to me. So the people departed. And King Rehoboam consulted with the elders who had served his father, Solomon, while he was still alive, saying, How do you counsel me? To answer the people. Then they spoke to him saying. If you will be a servant to this people today. Will serve them. Grant them their petition. And speak good words to them. Then they will be your servants. Forever. Where should he have gone? I mean I get it. Go ask the wisdom of men. The men who were with his father. But he should have gone to God. He did not. And the idea of being a servant, like, no, I'm the king. He should have gone to God. The elders gave him wisdom. They talked to him. They said, this is a good idea. And then he thought, you know, I grew up with some folks around my age. You know, they've been my servants. They they become yes men. They'll tell me what I really want to hear. So he goes to them. Verse 8. But he forsook the counsel of the elders which they had given him and consulted with the young men who grew up with him and served him. 
So he said to them, What counsel do you give that we may answer this people who have spoken to me, saying, Lighten the yoke which your father put on us? And the young men who grew up with him spoke to him, saying, Thus you shall say to this people who spoke to you, saying, Your fathers made our yoke heavy. Now you make it lighter for us, but you shall speak to them. My little finger is thicker than my father's loins. Whereas my father loaded you with heavy yoke, I will add to your yoke. My father disciplined you with whips, but I will discipline you with scorpions. That was wisdom. <laughs> He said, okay, that's what I'll do. I'll do exactly what you folks think I ought to do. Herein lies the division of the kingdom of Israel. You see, this man's decision affected Israel all the way through the day, all the way to today. It's a divided kingdom. It's a divided kingdom. Because, see, it's amazing how you watch. You watch David who, who follows God and serves God and loves God and, and then, and then time goes on and, and he's, he's sinning and, and, and they, they don't make the correct, you know, the correction maybe. You know, it's like, let's talk about the correction, the corrective action. I, I did the wrong things and I've got to turn my life around and you ought to have that conversation with your children. You ought to say things like, you know, sometimes I got you a few times, you know, son or daughter when I should have gotten the other one or, you know, I made some mistakes and I'm sorry about that. There are times I made some decisions that, that you might disagree with. And you know what? You're probably right. I did make some decisions that weren't right. And I, I apologize for that. Don't be like me in those ways. Follow me as I follow Jesus. What was Solomon thinking? What do you think about your children? I know it's a silly question. I ask you, I think. What do you think about your children? Is their soul more important than everything else? Than riches? Then, then happiness is their soul, the critical thing. Do we live our lives and, and teach them and speak to them to help them to understand the importance of their soul? You know, things like, I don't care what you become in life as long as it's a godly thing and as long as you get to heaven. And I want you to strive in your life as my son to grow up to be qualified to serve as an elder. I want you to grow up as my daughter, to grow up to marry a man that's qualified to be an elder. I don't want you just to marry any old person. You have that talk with your children. See, godliness is the number one thing. God has to be number one. And if God is not number one, your children will suffer conflict. Just like we have suffered conflict. Somewhere we ought to desire for it to end. See, because next comes the apostasy. Right? First Kings chapter 14. First Kings 14 and verse 21. Now Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, reigned in Judah. Rehoboam's, Rehoboam was 40 years old when he became king and he reigned 17 years in Jerusalem the city which the Lord had chosen from all the tribes of Israel to put his name there. And his mother's name was Naamah, the Ammonitess. And Judah did evil in the sight of the Lord, and they provoked him to jealousy more than all that their fathers had done with the sins which they committed. For they also built 
for themselves high places and sacred pillars and ashram on every high hill and beneath every luxuriant tree. And there were also male cult prostitutes in the land. They did according to all the abominations of the nations which the Lord dispossessed before the sons of Israel. Look at how quickly and how rapidly they've gone so far from God. Second Chronicles chapter 11. You see the, the apostasy, the drifting. It's amazing to me when you, you find families that that used to be very, very strong in the Lord, and you, you catch that same family, you know, 20 years down the line, and you find out that none of them are going to worship. None of them worship God any longer. None of them. The whole family walked away. So what, what happened? All the, the, the mothers and the fathers and the grandfathers and the, and the children and the grandchildren, and, the, and you go, what happened? They just slowly drift away. Don't let that be you. Somewhere the chain of wickedness and evil has to be broken. But first comes humility. Verse 21. And Rehoboam loved Maacah, the daughter of Absalom, more than all his other wives and concubines. For he had taken 18 wives and 60 concubines and fathered 28 sons and 60 daughters. Where do you think he learned that lifestyle from? <laughs> oh, if it's good enough for daddy, it's good enough for me. Look at chapter 12, please, and verse 14. Here's the other problem right here. There was no room in his heart for God. And he did evil because he did not set his heart to seek the Lord. That's King Rehoboam. You see, fathers, if your heart is not focused on God now, trust me, your children, their heart will not be focused on God either. Because it's the things that you put into their lives, that you introduce to them, that you carry them off to do, those things become more pleasurable to them than the service of the Lord. Those things, those little things that you do, you say, these are really important. And they'll know what's important to you, and that will become important to them. Mothers, it's the same thing. The things that are important to you will become important to them. But they're not only listening to what you say. They're watching what you do. And then there's no peace. Because there's conflict. And, and, and God tells us when you're outside of Christ, when you're living contrary to God, there is no peace. And I know we've been deceived, right? But thinking maybe there is peace outside of Christ. There is no peace outside of Christ. You don't believe me? Stand in my shoes and go to the number of hospital beds that I've gone to with people on their deathbed in Christ, faithful and out of Christ. And listen to the words they tell me. Listen to what they say. Because that's when it matters most. And I'm sad to say there are so many who just say things like, I am terrified. I'm afraid. Sad. You know what's sad? There's nothing I can do. There's nothing I can do. I'm so thankful the closest I've come is, is thank God through His blessings that, that 
being able to, to baptize someone on their deathbed. They died two days later. I'm so thankful I was able to be a part of that. Don't let your children be in that position to where they have conflict. And then when they face God on that day, they have fear and terror in their eyes because they weren't prepared. Because they did not seek God in their hearts while they were alive. The next generation. Fathers, what we do today will affect the next two generations. The one thing that you've noticed and I've noticed it doesn't matter which, it doesn't matter what, what, almost what kind of faith. Wherever you go, you're going to almost find more women than men worshiping, right? I'm so thankful God said, men, you, this is what your responsibility is because if He didn't say it, we wouldn't do anything. The women would do it all. Fathers, wake up. Wake up. So the Bible says in closing, 2 Chronicles chapter 12, beginning at verse 1. It took place when the king of Rehoboam, the kingdom of Rehoboam was established and strong that he and all Israel with him forsook the law of the Lord. And it came about in King Rehoboam's fifth year because they had been unfaithful to the Lord that Shishak, the king of Egypt, came up against Jerusalem. They hadn't been at war in a long time with Israel. Lots of wars in the days of Solomon. I mean, uh, David. None in the days of Solomon. But the further you walk away from God, conflict is coming. This morning, the lesson is yours. I pray and trust. I hope that maybe there's someone today that would like to surrender their life to, to the Lord. Recognizing that there has been conflict in, in your life with the Lord. When I'm speaking of conflict, I'm saying with God. And you're ready to surrender your life to God, to give your life to Him, to allow Him to be your God, to be your King. You do that by coming to Him, surrendering to Him in the waters of baptism. Having that repentance, that godly sorrow in your heart after believing in His name and being willing to confess His name. And if you're a member of the body of Christ and you're struggling and we can help in any way, we ask you to make that known. And in a moment we'll sing a closing song. And may I just say God bless you. Those of you who are online, uh, please contact us if there's something that we can do to assist you in your walk of faith. May the God of mercy and grace be upon each of you. Thank you very much this morning for your time.